0: Hi, everyone. I hope you all are doing well this week. For this week's episode, I wanted to talk about designer jewelry. And I know that this is one of those episodes that's not technically related to personal finance, but I still think it's something that's super interesting and kind of has to do with that idea of where does value come from. And this is a principle that you can sort of use and apply to a lot of different purchases in your life. Um, Things like, I guess, anywhere where you're buying a, a product for a premium, it's sort of a question of where is that extra like money that you're paying come from and does that translate to additional value? Um, and just like a little fun fact, I love designer everything. I don't like have designer everything, but I love more of the thought process and the industry, and most importantly, some of the scandals surrounding like a lot of brands or the ways that they sort of get you to want their products or the exclusivity behind all of it. Um, so I just kind of like thinking about the mindset behind what compels people to spend you know thousands and thousands of dollars on. Designer items. Um, and so today I just sort of wanted to get into designer jewelry a little bit. So I think that there's a couple different things that sort of factor into the price of any designer item. So one thing is obviously the price and the value of the product itself so if you're thinking leather then how high quality is that leather what did it go through to get into the shape that it is today if you're thinking jewelry maybe it's the quality of the gold or the diamonds or the precious metals or stones that are used on it in general there's also the element of the brand name that comes in of having the ability to say that you have a genuine product from that brand Another value that's factored in is sort of the lifetime cost of that brand and you being associated with that brand in the sense that a lot of these brands offer over the course of owning this product, you can get free um, sort of touch-ups on it, so like a warranty almost, Or you have the ability to go replace the product if it goes bad for a certain number of years, or you know, just if you have owned the product long enough. And so those relationships as well are factored into the initial price that someone pays for the product because the brand knows that people are going to take advantage of these things. That being said, when it comes to designer, on TikTok, I've seen my fair share of Not really scandals, but sort of people's complaints or regrets about certain brands. So one example is um, the blue Goyard bag apparently is notorious for staining people's shirts blue. Um, And Goyard is a brand that makes leather bags that are incredibly expensive. Um, A lot of people find them to be very desirable. And essentially their blue bag, because a lot of these bags are hand-painted, apparently is staining a lot of people's clothing. And so what does quality really mean when it comes to things like this? Because obviously this bag is hand-painted, so that's one element of it costing so much and one element of really the charm behind it because you know someone spent hours making your bag. But is it really worth it to you if with this bag comes the fact that it's sort of leaving paint places, that's not something that I would expect from a designer or high-end product. Um, But of course, that's just my opinion on things like this. So I really like to think about how much people are willing to pay for status. And this is just sort of like the initial breakdown of things that I was thinking about as I was looking to do this episode. But today, I really want to talk about designer jewelry. Because recently, I've been seeing a lot of information about how designer jewelry from a lot of of brands isn't actually that high of quality. There's also a significant markup for brand name and design um, that doesn't necessarily reflect the material. My family is Indian. So we buy gold in India and I've seen that process before. And when you do that, there's definitely that price increase for craftsmanship or for um, sort of designs that are unique to specific brands. Because, and when I say brand, I, I mean individual jewelry shop owners. Because in India, there's a lot of different individual jewelry shops that are not necessarily associated with big brands. So there's only one of those stores and maybe the stores will slowly expand, but a lot of them are still family run businesses and family owned brands. And you go there and it's the same people that have been working there for years and the same owner, and it just sort of stays within the family. Um, and so you don't really see a lot of people buying from like larger jewelry stores and people do buy from them, but like chain stores, a lot of people tend to have family jewelers. Um, and so I think that experience of buying from a family jeweler gives you sort of Insight into what it's like um, and how to compare it to maybe brands in the U.S. So one thing that I've noticed is that usually what they do when you buy any piece is they weigh the piece in front of you and prices fluctuate based on the exchange rate of gold for that day. So like in newspapers and online, you can find the exchange rate of like the gold to Indian rupees or, you know, obviously dollars from there you can convert it. And so with that, there's people will, you know, traditionally pick out a piece and then maybe if the price of gold is expected to drop by a couple rupees like the next day or in a couple days, they'll come back and buy the piece that day. So the price that you're paying for the item, yes, there's a premium attached to it so that the jewelers are making a profit, but it's also directly correlated to the amount of gold that is in the actual product you're buying. So smaller pieces count cost significantly less, even if it's, you know, a brand that is specific to that jeweler items such as the cartier love ring for example if you're buying it in the united states or any sort of cartier products if you're buying from chanel or tiffany or anything like that they cost the same amount every single day of the week and every month of the year obviously save for if they're you know increasing prices or decreasing prices but that happens across the board and then the price stays consistent so if i were to go into tiffany for example today and buy a silver heart necklace or you know any one of their designs and then i had a friend that was going in two days later we know that it's going to cost both of us the exact same amount, whether or not the price of silver has fluctuated like between now and then. And so that's something that I always found to be really interesting because it made me sort of wonder how these brands are making a profit if they're charging the same amount every single day. So here's the thing. I wasn't able to find a ton of reputable sources on this topic. And so I usually shy away from doing episodes if I can't find a good amount of research on it. But honestly, to me, that makes a lot of sense because if you go after some of the most, like the largest European jewelry brands. It's probably not going to bode well for you. And by go after, I mean, if you're sort of bashing them on the internet for what their jewelry is or isn't worth, that's probably not good either ways. So here's the deal. I was able to find posts from former jewelry industry workers that saw the turnover from wholesale to designer. And from my own experience, I do believe that what they're saying seems to be true. Um, so take this obviously with a grain of salt, but because of course they could be lying about that entirely, but there is a significant markup for name brand. And some of these people were talking about specific brands where the markup is 200 to 300% of the actual cost of making the item. So if the jewelry the jewelry is going to be high quality, obviously, but it really depends on where you buy it from and how high quality it is. And the price is obviously not always reflective of the quality of the jewelry. That being said, resale values for a lot of designer jewelry brands still remains high. So you do get some of that preservation of, you know, even if I buy this product, and there's no damage to the item. I can probably resell it for something that's, you know, close to 80-90% of its total cost, which is pretty good when it comes to resale because obviously with clothes, that's not the case. You're probably going to resell it for like maybe 10 to 20% of the original cost that you bought it for. But with jewelry, with such an expensive purchase, I think that people do find some sort of comfort in knowing that even when they resell the product, it's not like they're going to lose a significant a significant amount of money on it. The question is really, how much are you willing to pay for these designer brands? You can get some seriously good fakes and seriously high quality fakes in today's world. And I'm saying that because I've seen them all over TikTok because I've been seeing new things like being able to rent jewelry for a day, which is what a lot of, you know, celebrities do or it's gifted to them for the day to wear when they go on red carpets. But you're now able to see people of, you know, normal status renting those items when they want it for a specific event or all over New York City you have street vendors that sell fake bags and to the untrained eye they look real like you couldn't really tell a difference unless you you know maybe own one of those bags yourself or unless you have a lot of familiarity with designer products. In my opinion I don't think it's worth buying fakes but that's just because my personal philosophy is I don't even want to pretend that I can own something if I can't. If I don't have the money to afford something I don't find any solace or comfort in telling or showing people that I I have it regardless. Um, But that's just me personally. And I know a lot of people that really like using these fakes and they find it to be a really great way to give off an impression of a certain style or certain status that, that they want to show off without break, breaking the bank. And I totally respect that. So I think on that end to each their own. But when it comes to designer jewelry, to a certain extent, it is worth it um, because you're paying for that brand and because the resale value sort of means that a lot of the initial value that you paid is preserved as long as there's no damage to the material. Um, but it is something to think about in terms of why you are buying this piece. I think when a lot of people buy designer jewelry, they're buying it for the brand recognition or because they want people to know that they're wearing that specific brand. And in that case, I would say totally go for it. But if you're buying designer jewelry because you want a piece that is, you know, holds a lot of value or it's just for sentimental reasons, then I think that there's a lot of other places you can go where you would save a lot lot more money and you might even get a better piece in terms of how many stones or how big the stones are or how much gold is in the piece. So just something to sort of think about. Obviously, I am a like very young person that hasn't bought a lot of jewelry in my life. And even when I've witnessed people buying it, I think the experience is obviously entirely different, but this is just something that I've gotten really interested in. And I think that it's a, a good thing to think about because what I've noticed is that a lot of young professionals, when they first start working, a lot of their purchases tend to be luxury purchases, like luxury bags, shoes, clothes, um, jewelry, just because it's sort of, You know, that's sort of the culture in the workplace in a lot of different industries in finance. I think it definitely is. People tend to wear nice clothes because obviously it changes someone's impression of you. Um, and so I, I just think it's been something that I've been thinking about in terms of when I start, you know, working a full-time job, what are the purchases that I'm initially going to be making, especially as someone that's not going to live in a city where I'm probably going to be able to afford to buy a house. And so that sort of goes out the window in terms of that being one of the first major purchases that I'll be making. So that's why this episode was of interest to me. I hope it was helpful in some way or at least interesting. And I will see you all next week for another Fit Friday.